welcome. I'm back in my mom's basement, but now I've lost my voice. So we hope very much that Kiltz has her voice because she gets to carry. No, she gets to carry this one in her great humor and post-Christmas cheer, which is what we're going to be talking about. Happy fourth day of Christmas. This is today the Feast of the Holy Innocents. So you should be considering what happened when Herod killed all those babies. Which is topical, I suppose, to why all the fuss about Christmas? Why do we absolutely every year end up in a fight about Christmas, particularly over, oh, well, certain things like the date, pagan elements like Christmas trees, and, oh, yeah, that pesky guy, St. Nicholas. We are here to answer all your questions about what's all the fuss. Welcome to the Mosaic Ark. We're here. We're here. She's here. Can y'all hear her? Hi. Let's let no. Let's like hello. Let's do a sound check, everybody. Can y'all no. hear kilts right now? Those of you who are watching and unauthorized, please please verify that we have at least her sound. We're waiting on them. How was your Christmas? T- okay. Tell us about your Christmas. What a wild Christmas it was. Yeah. <laughs> well, I started out the day in a really relaxed way. Um you know, cooking, we made the food, we did everything. And then I went over to a friend's place who invited me over for some uh, wine in the evening. So I thought I was going to have a really nice, relaxed Christmas evening. And anyway, arrived at this house and uh, realized about an hour into drinking wine with everyone that there'd been some cocaine enjoyed in the bathroom before I arrived. So (laughs) Do people do that sort of thing down under? Do tell. I thought you all just got Maybe you just, just had so... shrimps and Barbies. You there's there's yeah, wine think, and, and and other things. I think they're so desperate for a white Christmas that they'll just make it happen any way that they can. <laughs> but um, I was not impressed. I was not amused. So I uh, I left, left and now conversation with the person that invited me over there to uh, make sure that that never happens again. Um, uh, so yeah, that was Christmas. <laughs> we went from egg. We went from eggnog in the in the morning for breakfast to <laughs> trying to shield myself from the energy of uh, cocaine enjoyers. Which for anyone who doesn't know what that's like, if you're not on coke and you're around people that are on cocaine, they're awful. It's like they're they're emitting some kind of EMF frequency, 
and they're in their own space. You can't match that energy. They're, it's just, it's, it's a bad vibe. So um, to make it up to myself, because I left feeling so uh, shitted with the, with the situation, I went and taught myself how to roller skate. <laughs> That's appropriate. That's so appropriate. Spent, Rollers from, spent, from a coke yeah. party to roller skating. I'm sure, I'm sure we can find yeah, some meaning yeah. in that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just wanted to be uh, sort of kicking, uh, kicking myself forward and like uh, enjoying my own neurochemistry. So uh, I did that. I fell over a bunch of times. Um, it's really hard. Well, I used to, I mean, I the roller, the roller skating has not happened in any, with any regularity since I was in middle school and not in this house, in the previous house. And, and we used to, you know, <laughs> I, if I, if I thought about it hard, I might be able to recall all the songs that we skated to. Those were the days. I tell you, you know, I, I know how old I am. My, my brother was in a mm-hmm. antique store here in, in my mom's town and found one of the old yearbooks from my high school that I was in, in the antique store. That's the, <laughs> yes, yes. Wow. That's, 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 <laughs> I, 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 one, you know, I can have dog park cred say, you know, yes, I'm visiting, but I went to high school here. That's that, that's how old it is here. But you know, the roller skating, <laughs> that's even older than, than, than my high school days. So you're, you're taking me back in time now. But you were you were telling me no you were telling me about some of the conversation that ensued at the Christmas party and I I think that will help us although I think the the feeling the feeling of oh, being yes. on the wrong vibe with people on the wrong drug is actually very appropriate to our theme tonight yeah well it was it was just bizarre so uh, like. I'm sure many other people. I had conversations with people that were at that party prior to Christmas Day, uh, and you know others that are around, because uh, I get super excited for Christmas. Um, and I say Merry Christmas, and immediately I'm greeted with the response that Oh well, I don't oh. celebrate Christmas. Ooh. They're at a Christmas oh. party. Why? How can they not be <laughs> celebrating Christmas? That's like an oxymoron. They're it's literally kind of at a Christmas party, not celebrating Christmas. Go for it. I know. That's ridiculous. It's, it's like it's like people saying we're refusing to acknowledge the incarnation, but still referring to history in the timeline of the incarnation. So you say, what year is it? Oh, it's 2022. 2022 since what? <laughs> since what? Yes, exactly. Since but how can they happen? How can they be anti-celebrating the thing that they're celebrating? I, I just like to unpack this for me a bit. Yes, I'm going to get I'm so drunk. To trying to, you want to, to, me to go deep? Yes, I do because my throat is not going to. I need to like lubricate it some more before I can really okay. start All start right. preaching here. All right. So. Um, how do how would I even begin to explain this? So but yeah, that, so that was the response to the Christmas greeting, and then uh, another uh, interesting conversation with someone who said, "Oh, I just hate Christmas." I said, "Why do you hate Christmas?" She said, "I don't like the commercialization aspect of everything," hmm. and started going through the pressure of buying gifts and the pressure of being happy around people and. Uh, uh, the expectation that um, you have to return gifts if they're given to you, etc. So I kind of uh, 
mentally catalogued her reasons. And then, of course, this woman has previously said to me, well, there is a there's an argument that it's not even Christ's birthday. So when I, yes, when I, when I and my enthusiasm said Merry Christmas, I'm so excited for it. And she goes, really? Why? I said, because it's the birth of our Lord. And she said, well, there's the, there's evidence that it's not even Christ's birthday. So not the right date. How dare, how dare you? How dare you wish people Merry Christmas on a date that could (laughs) not be the actual date. Okay. So we have, no, we have one saying it's too commercial, and by the way, it's not really the right date. Okay. Yes, yes. Um, and then what would the other which suggests Which suggests the date matters. That's interesting. Mm. Hmm. Apparently. Apparently. Okay, apparently um, getting the date right matters. Okay. So we have the date issue, the commercialization aspect, uh, the Santa enthusiasm, you know, that we're teaching children to be consumers by requesting presents from Santa and mm. um, uh, an unnecessary uh, encouragement of becoming consumers uh, instead of focusing on what it really means, even though the same person wouldn't focus on what it really means because she's not practicing <laughs> Christianity. So <laughs> the cocaine was the least insane thing that I encountered in that uh few hours it sounds like it it sounds like it okay so we have the date the date bugs people because it might not really be the date that there should be some real meaning to christmas that's not about Mm -hmm. giving presents okay yeah and that somehow or santa Santa. okay anything else anything else it's 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 remarkable how these things come up every time isn't it? It's always the same. Thing. It's always it's, it's always exactly the same, same thing. List of things every single yeah. year. I actually have blog posts. He's my voice is warming up now a little bit. After this stream, I will not have a voice for another week. So we better hope it comes back by the time I have to teach on <laughs> campus next week. Um, I've done blog posts Invent on Dragon Sun. Yes, it's on Dragon Sun. In um, I've done I've done blog posts on things like you know oh the commercialization oh isn't it terrible that it's commercial which seems to come up regularly. Um, uh, the the date thing I actually haven't written about, but it, that that one's going to be that I, I want to start with that because I think that's an interesting problem. But th- there are other things mm. typically. I mean the the cocaine nobody worried about that as a it's like is it appropriate to be having stimulants? I'm not even sure that's a question. Well, why would we be doing you know drinking and and stimulants around this date? To party just a random day in December. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, oh, there was a lot of food. There was okay, a, full a lot spread. of food. So it wasn't. It wasn't that. Uh, there, there wasn't any like. It wasn't an anti-feast. There was mm. still feasting. Feasting. Okay. But no one refused to eat the food. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of the 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 additional criticism. Oh yes, it was the corruption of the church. Ooh. And that the ooh. Uh, ooh. okay yes yes um the church the church is corrupt and has basically presented this as a uh, holiday holiday um, despite the fact that the pagan world already had similar festivals okay so I've got my slides so, out of order I blew it I'm 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 sick enough that I started with the wrong place but here we are okay so we have 
There is no wrong place. There is no. I showed you guys the end, which you should always be thinking about. Where is she going to take us on this particular arc journey? So we have we have a set of feasts, which this lovely Sophia Press calendar is showing us, right? And it's like we have Christmas Day, mm. and you're and you you were saying something about the corruption of the church. Go on, go on with that. Oh, this is, so, yeah, I've heard this so many times in the last month. It's strange. December just brings out the anti-Catholicism in everybody. <laughs> Wait, say that it's again. Amazing. That's, no, this is really this, super duper important. Say that, what you just said. December brings out the anti-Catholicism in everybody. Do you All think it's, crypto do you think it's. Catholics are hiding for the rest of the year. Just come out of the woodwork in December. And I've had the great honor of being able to sit there and uh receive all of their really insightful criticisms that i've never heard before oh you've never heard them again. you've never you've, you've <laughs> never you've never actually heard these criticisms before never <clears throat> i was being sarcastic i know sure I right it's like we hear it was no no it's like this is this is I, you know, sorry, guys, the most boring live stream we're ever going to do because it's exactly the same things you hear every, every single year. And yeah. we are, yeah, I, I say we are going to, in, fa in, in vain hope of shutting everybody up, talk about it. Forever. Forever. No. I, like 2000, 2023, I don't want to hear any of this. Exactly. We want, to, we want to solve uh, it tonight. So that we never hear this again because it literally comes up every year. Now, isn't mm -hmm. that interesting? I mean, I've already blocked somebody. I think it was last week <laughs> I blocked somebody. Uh, because I got text messages talking about how the Catholic Church is corrupt. It's the biggest landowner on the planet. Mm. Why should we be supporting them in these celebrations? It, oh, my gosh. Just don't. Why of all people give this to me? But it's interesting. People, they give it to us uh, as though they will be the ones to convince us that the church is illegitimate. You know, it's like a, a 2,000 years of Catholicism is going to be undone by pointing out that they own property. I just find, like, the, the mentality of this is very, very strange to me. Yeah. Um, on top of the fact that everybody is obviously planning to celebrate the birth of Christ while grumbling about the fact that they're celebrating the birth of christ okay so they still it, all come to the parties i mean and they complain about it every year do you, do you think they complain about yes. it if we did it in july is probably oh, yeah, yeah probably okay so so this is <laughs> no and this is what um, i've been thinking about it's like everybody ends up focusing on it and saying it's the wrong date it's the wrong date it's the wrong date and you're like okay so let's do it some other time do we do we actually think chat? Yes, Casey's saying like hearing anti-marriage rants on your anniversary, anti-child rants on your kid's birthday. Kind of. It's it's almost as if the festival itself draws out all this stuff. So it's the wrong date. Okay, so if we'll change the date, if we found the right date, would you stop it? Do you think so? Do no. you think they would? So we have we have an entire calendar of of festivals that the church celebrates and every single year the most animosity comes up around this one yeah do you think anybody did i mean yes. we, we had a little bit around halloween maybe we had a little bit do we get a little bit you know every every august around mary's assumption 
I bet I bet most people. Well, no, we're Catholic. Everybody's watching is Catholic, but you know, it's like today is the feast of the Holy Innocence. Most people probably aren't worrying about that one, right? There's something about Christmas that we have to have these fights absolutely every year. Well, I'll I'll just put as a, a little asterisk note into this conversation. I'm Coptic Orthodox. Our Christmas technically isn't for another couple of days because we have a delayed calendar. We're using Ooh. the old calendar system. Wait, even wait, though you it's mean, not technically... you mean the actual magic date hasn't happened yet? The magic date hasn't happened yet. <laughs> and even though the magic date hasn't happened yet, I haven't I haven't said this to a single person that wished me Merry Christmas. Oh wait, it's only for another week. We need to we need to talk about all this. Okay. Are you ready? I think I have enough voice. Yeah. I think I have enough voice to plunge into this. Absolutely everybody okay. is constantly worried about whether or not we're celebrating Christmas correctly, which is a kind of interesting problem. It's like saying we should be there should be a correct celebration. There is a correct celebration. We're not doing it right because oh, we focus too much on Santa. Right? And therefore that makes mm-hmm. it the inappropriate Christmas celebration. Everybody watching sour grapes, yeah. Every so, we have four watching because my voice is clearly no, no. Come back, come back. We're we're just early in the in the stream. Um, most of the the festivities that we have now date to when? Would you guess? I mean, there's there's often the claim that they're pagan. Okay, so fine. If they're pagan, how old are they? Mm-hmm. I hate date questions. You yeah, but my the, the, the answer to all of my questions <laughs> like this is always the same date. So just just it's just like I it, it, if I've trained you correctly, you already know the answer. You just don't realize you know it. Oh, is it post enlightenment? <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Just okay. say 18, just all say right. 1850 and you're safe, right? So almost okay. all of the things that we now associate with Christmas in the Anglophone world, which is the one that we're dealing with primarily right now, because we always end up in these conversations in the Anglophone world, come mm-hmm. from, interestingly, two literary pieces. One, The Night Before Christmas, which I have, I actually wrote down, like, notes, which I'm going to have to pull up now. Okay, here we go. Pulling up the notes. The Night Before Christmas, um, which was first pub- written in 1822 and first published in 1823, what I'm showing here is a Harper's New Monthly magazine running it in 1857. The Twas the Night Before Christmas and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. If you've ever doubted the importance of poetry, you should know that the reason that we celebrate Christmas in the way that we do now is because Clement Clark Moore wrote this in Anapestic What's It, right? <laughs> it's the trippity, 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 trip. And that poem has created for most English-speaking people the image that we have of Santa Claus, which we're going to get back to. But if you if you have any image of Santa Claus, a jolly old elf and stuff like that, thank Clement Clark Moore and his little 1822 poem, first published in 1823, about St. Nick filling a visit from St. Nicholas, right? The other one? Yeah, I'll let you guess. The other image that we have, the strongest possible image that we have of what the real meaning of Christmas is. There's a lot of movies made of it. Bill Murray was in one, I think. There was a Muppet version. Everybody makes these over and over and over again. This is the English Christmas. 
Oh, the Scrooge. Yes. So the Father Christmas that we have is a you know the the the, the Santa Claus we have is a blend of the Father Christmas character that appears in Dickens' A Christmas Carol, plus mm-hmm. Moore's Saint Nicholas in The Night Before Christmas. Why 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 would these guys be writing a visit from Saint Nick and A Christmas Carol in the early nineteenth century? Do you think? Chat. Mm. There's five watching. Four of you should answer. <laughs> why do we why do we have a poem? Why do we have a story? Early 19th century. And they've they've basically created the entire mythology that we celebrate in the Anglophone world around present giving, the real meaning of Christmas. I actually look there's actually a Wikipedia entry on the phrase the real meaning of Christmas. You will not be surprised to learn that it's post both of these works. Right. This is like the, the, the real meaning of Christmas is a thing that becomes a, people obsessed with in the late 19th century. Well, we worry about it being too commercial, right? Mm hmm. <laughs> why might why might we need to have a, a, a story by Dickens about the real meaning of Christmas? And why would I say I'm letting people I've 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 hear tell that we move too fast. Sometimes I'm really going really slow today. Because my throat can't do it. <laughs> Why might we need a story about the real meaning of Christmas? Well, what was happening in England at that time? The Industrial Revolution. The expression. The Industrial Revolution mm. was happening at that time. Mm. Protestantism had been the primary mode of worship since Henry VIII stole all the property from the monasteries. So the Protestants that created factories and pushed all of the people into factories. Like Bob Cratchit and his needed, tiny tin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They needed to be reminded about Christmas and Christmas being a holy day or people who owned those factories wanted to sell some things. Well, both of those things. So there's a really great book on the the history of Christmas by Stanley Nussbaum, which talks about how mm-hmm. in the early 19th century, you have book publishers particularly starting to sell Christmas books, right? It's like you'll sell a, a special Christmas collection. But so the, blame the publishers for making it all so commercial. Um, but you have what's interesting about the early 19th century is up to that point, the celebration of Christmas had kind of been dying out interestingly Mm. (laughs) especially in english-speaking countries because well guess what particularly in the civil war in the 17th century so for some period under cromwell christmas was illegal i this this is now this (laughs) this this is the funny thing about saying to anglo anglophone people it's like christmas is too commercial well you got what you wanted yeah. The Protestants wanted December 25th to be just like any other day. They wanted it to be a regular old market day. And guess what? You got it. So if you're not Catholic, you don't have anything to complain about, because as far as the Protestants were concerned, it wasn't really a holiday in the first place. We'll get to why. <laughs> but but that's, I mean, the sort of irony in, the Amer- in American culture that we're complaining about being so commercialized, the New England Puritans didn't even celebrate Christmas. In Daniel Defoe's Robinson Crusoe, he has this whole meditation on, you know, learning to pray and stuff like that. December 25th isn't even marked in his diary because 
December 25th, as far as the Protestants were concerned, particularly the Puritans were concerned, was not a Christian feast. So if you're worried about Christmas not having any real meaning, guess what? You're already Catholic. Welcome. <laughs> or at least you're you're I'll worrying about something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Protestants, you shouldn't be celebrating in the first place. As far as you're concerned, it's pagan and you shouldn't have it. Oops. <laughs> Well, now we've got problems. <laughs> no, but what's funny, so Aunt Barnhart did a really nice essay on the Christmas Carol, and Scrooge is definitely a problem, because um, he may be kind of Jewish in his money lending, and the Dickens may be showing something that is happening in the 19th century that we are not supposed to talk about. But what's interesting about A Christmas Carol is it creates what for most English people feels like an old fashioned Christmas and that image of here's father Christmas and we're going to celebrate what Christmas really was like is an utter fantasy. It, it never was quite like what it's shown to be in Dickens story because mm-hmm. he's creating it in his, in the 19th century in the form that we now celebrate it. So if you're worried about Christmas being pagan, welcome to modernity. Point number one. <laughs> Any questions? <laughs> Boom oh. shakalaya, as Mel says. Well, so Washington Irving helped popularize it too, but we have this, the, the, the 19th century in the English-speaking world needs new stories. And be- between the night before Christmas and A Christmas Carol, we got our new stories. And so basically what we're celebrating in... The Norman Walkwell version of Christmas, here's the, the dad worrying about how to decorate the Christmas tree and stuff, is, mm-hmm. a, is a feature of the success of both the, the, um, the poem and the story, right? Which is, is therefore, you know, a, a great testament to the power of literature, but is, is also a great testament to the ability of cultures to invent traditions when they've actually lost, lost touch with where the tradition, where they thought the the reason, that, you know, it's like, why are we worried about the real meaning of Christmas all the time? It's because, in fact, we've lost t- touch with the medieval tradition that developed it. And therefore, we don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. So if you're worried about all of our modern celebrations, including these trees, which we'll get to, as being pagan, it's 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 a modern phenomenon of of worship. It's not pagan. It's not pagan in the 4th century or the 8th century. It's literally 19th century. So you could say it's pagan because it's it's enlightenment, but it's not pagan because it comes from the antiquity. Well, then you're then you're attributing paganism to protestantism in a, in a strange way. Well, as 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 we should, because the Protestants are the ones that are worried about paganism and worried about how Catholicism had, as far as the Protestants were concerned, absorbed all of this paganism that the Protestants were convinced they could purify out of Christianity, including purifying out the, the celebration of of our Lord's nativity. Mm. So what do we need to do, do you think? So Christmas is a religious war. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's, we're going to, this is a, a spoiler alert. The debate over Christmas is never going to end because the debate over Christmas is actually the problem of Christianity, right? We've going to have to keep debating mm. it. So you guys, all we're doing right now is arming you for next year because it's always going to happen. <laughs> What's the fuss? It's all, it's, it's really, we are called to have this debate. 
regularly. And mm-hmm. it's, 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 well, we're going to show you what it really is, but that you're worrying about it being pagan is weirdly enough a feature of the stripping it, stripping away of the tradition and its reinvention in the, in the 19th century. So what were medieval Christians doing for their Christmas feast? Well, so I pick, I pick three things that I think we can, we can talk about that we can, we can sort of unpack. And, and the first is that date, right? That everybody's always obsessed with the date. Now, class, I want you to look at the screen and tell me where Christmas is on this picture. <laughs> because one of the, one of the things that we imagine, um, I, th- I think we take we take for granted a lot of chronology and a lot of chron- chronological reckoning. And I pretty much guarantee that absolutely everybody I've seen on the Internet arguing about whether or not Christmas should fall on December 25th has zero idea how to calculate it, according to the calendars that were used until, well, I don't, you know, modernity. This is a medieval calendar. Um, and I challenge absolutely anybody watching this stream to find Christmas on it. Well, mainly because they forgot to fill it in, right? And and what what's funny about it is, would you have they 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 left out the rubric, so it's like they should have gone back, probably written it in gold. But we have a date for the Vigilia Domini, and then the date for the the um, octave, the the Sunday within the octave, and we have the date for Saint Stephen and the date for the Holy Innocents. But the Nativity of the Lord isn't written in. But on the other hand, I'm I'm certain nobody. Could, I mean, unless you've been trained in medieval you know, calendars and such can read this calendar because it has, a, you know, a number, it's a perpetual calendar, right? Medieval calendars in prayer books are meant to be used every year. So you have to have this very elaborate system of cycles of years according to when Sunday falls each year, when Easter falls each year, when, you know, blah, 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 blah. The next thing I'm going to show you is an Easter table. Yeah, go for it. I'm. I'm. It's like, it's a good thing I'm sick, and so I can't get really angry because then I'll lose my voice completely. But for goodness' sake, you guys who are arguing perpetually about how stupid medieval Christians were about the date on which they calculated Christmas could not find Easter. Ever, I. I guarantee you, you do not know how to find Easter on this calendar, and until you can, I don't want to hear from one of you. Sky clock guys. I'm pretty mad. Tell tell them what I just translate what I said into like not furious. Um <laughs> the professor is quite unamused at everybody's attempts to revise history and uh, undermine the genius of medieval clerics in calculating the birth and crucifixion of our Lord, even though they have absolutely no idea how to calculate the dates as good as the clerics that they're criticizing and trying to remove from western civilization <laughs> how's that <laughs> that's pretty good but but i mean what 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 it what it entails is this fantasy that people in the past didn't have sophisticated calendrical knowledge i mean the calculation of easter is actually really really complicated because it's a a lunar feast on a solar calendar that you have to predict mm. every year in order to have things like the fasts of lent Yes. And I mean so fine Christmas is a, is a is a fixed feast on December 25th. But and this is this is where we get into the 
interminable debates about exactly why December 25th was chosen as the date for Christmas. Mm. Now, now I've, I've let I've, I've put I've put away hidden away the Paschal table because I'm it's making me too mad. There are in the scholarship um, three major discussions about why December 25th is chosen for the date of Christmas. One, we recognize that Kilts is not yet celebrating it. Why not? When's Christmas? Um, I don't know. Like, this is the kind of thing that I ignore. It's just sort of like, oh, okay, we're on old calendar. Cool. You know, I'm not really into dates, so I don't like arguing over time. <laughs> I'm going to convince you one day to I care just... about dates. Okay. Um, that will not be today. Okay. But, um, I mean, thank God. Otherwise, I'd be the I'd be another one of these people arguing with you all about the fact you were. No, no, you'd listen to me. We're not celebrating it until early January because you guys got it wrong, and we preserve the original tradition. Um, oh, I'll go back. I'll go back to the Paschal calendar. <laughs> I think I think it's got something to do with the click over from Gregorian to Julian, or vice versa. Whatever happened there. Yes. Also, yes, that is why also, you have a different a different date. Woohoo, oh. I got it right. Yeah. Um, but also we still are you're using the ancient uh Coptic calendar, which is ancient Egyptian calendar. So we have an extra month in the year that doesn't exist in the Western calendar, which we're factoring in sometimes. Right. There's a thirteenth month. So when my Abuna he says, Oh, we're about to start this month, sometimes it's going to click over into a new Coptic month even though we're still in the middle of uh, Western calendar month. And honestly, I don't pay attention to it much because it's for the clergy to worry about. I just, I, I outsource to the people that I know know better than me. <laughs> and I leave it to them because they have been doing this for a very long time. But in my, like, uh, in my understanding of it, it's got to do with the crossover between the Coptic calendar cycle and the western calendar cycle and then our relationship between julian and gregorian calendars right and those the, that adjustment and i didn't review that because like why would i it's post-medieval um is because the solar and the lunar got out of sync and and you mm. needed to adjust so that solstice actually fell on the you know it's like that that it's so hard calculating the calendar that it is the major reason that mathematics developed both in antiquity and throughout the Middle Ages. That, that, that you know, it's sort of ooing and aahing over the sky clock because it circulates. You're like, you know what it's like, you know, predicting the return of those star systems every single year on exactly the right date? It's really hard. Mm -hmm. And the, what I'm showing now, this 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 calendar of, of Easter tables, it's like you have indeed you have to calculate according to it's a 19 year cycle plus a 54 year cycle plus a da da da. I I've tried to memorize it. It's it's you know I probably could do it if I you know was still living in my mom's basement and doing math. It is incredibly sophisticated predictive mathematics for these sorts of calendars and they had to correct between the Julian and the Gregorian because they'd gotten out of sync over a millennium. Mm. And that, I think that my uh, sorry to interrupt you, but I think that may be why we've kept the date we've kept because we have that extra thirteenth month that kind of makes that adjustment for this uh, going out of sync 
between you know the solar and lunar coming out of sync i'm gonna right. have to look at this more no we should we should make everybody curious so you can all you can all tell us how detailed we right. didn't get because we're girls which is fine you should know that it's that complicated and that all of you know ancient mathematics was devoted to figuring all of these these structures out of time mm -hmm. the, the movement of the stars so that we could have you know the uh, appreciation of of when the sun does such and such Mm. Right. Okay. So throwing away the idea that ancient, you know, Catholics or Christians were nitwits about dates, let's consider why December 25th is chosen, right? And the, the, there, are, there are in the literature three different reasons. One is the, called the history of religions theory, which is... Um, the Sol Invictus theory that everybody's saying is like you've chosen the date for um, Christmas based on when this other Roman pagan festival was held. And because the sun is a really important, you know, deity in Roman religion, it's not but mm. whatever. Um, do, do we choose the, the date for Christmas according to that. Right. So that's the history of religions theory. Um, another one is the calculation theory, um, which is this this um, I actually like this one best. And one one of the people that I respect most in the history of mathematics, Philip Notat, has done some nice pieces on why this actually makes sense for people to be caring about. It It depends on calculating first the Easter, right, which is why I'll go back to the Easter tables, why it matters when Easter is, because it matters when you know when the first Easter was, because it matters when you know that crucifixion happened on a particular date, because then that drives the whole cycle, right? And it, it goes mm. with this idea that the ancients have that, you know, fulfillment of time happens if you die on the same day you're, you're conceived or born, right? And so March 25th is taken as the day of the crucifixion, which then becomes the day of the conception, the Annunciation, which then calculated nine months later becomes the date of Christmas, December 25th. And that this this is simply fulfilling the, the sense that Christ lived a perfect number of years or was conceived and then, you know, lived a perfect number of years and died. And um, this this argument the history of religion people don't like this because it doesn't make Christianity pagan. It just makes it practical or logical, right? But it does fit with the way we see ancient exegetes working. So they're always trying to, they're doing numerology in very symbolic ways. And to say that Christ was the perfect man, he's going to live the perfect interval, right? So he's going to die on the very same day he was conceived. That makes a great deal of, of exegetical sense. It makes a great deal of interpretive sense. So that's the, the history of calculation theory. That one is then added into this um, priestly service argument, which has mm -hmm. to do with, and this is the one that I've seen most on the internet most recently, that Zacharias is serving in the temple when, as high priest, which apparently he never was, but John Chrysostom apparently believed this, that Zacharias is serving in the temple when John the Baptist is conceived, and that must be in September. Elizabeth is six months pregnant when Mary goes to visit her. So Mary must be six months after Elizabeth in the conception, which makes it in March. That means John is born in the summer at the solstice and Christ is born at the winter in the winter solstice. And you have this, this beautiful 
sort of c- conclusion of the year by way of these mm. the prophet's birth and the the messiah's birth and that one chrysostom knows but he's obviously um he's late 4th century so okay fine now all of these depend on the fact that december 25th is now used as the date of christmas the the catcher for all of it for any of these theories is the proof of when Sol Invictus was celebrated and when Christmas was celebrated on December 25th is the exact same document, which means we can't prove priority either way. We can't prove that, <laughs> that Invictus and it's Invictus, not Sol Invictus. We can't prove that Sol Invictus was earlier than Christmas or vice versa, because the only document that they both appear in is this so-called chronograph of 354, which, of course, doesn't survive except in later copies. Welcome to my world. Okay, so we don't even have the original document. So it is possible that the Romans actually created Invictus based on the Christian celebration of Christmas. Right. Because there's no way of disproving it. Right. So, in fact, Christianity... And Christians have potentially been celebrating Christmas on the 25th before it, the the pagan Romans were celebrating Invictus. Wow. Correct. But the thing is, we can't prove it either way because the oldest, the old, mm. I mean, and this, this, my, this is my life, right? The oldest document is this chronograph of 354. So you can argue till you're blue in the face about exactly what happened first, but you cannot prove it on the basis of the, the sources that we have now, which is why these multiple theories are out there, right? The history of religion one, mm-hmm. the craculation one, the, the priestly service one, because they all date to the fourth century. The fourth century is going to be very important here, right? Okay. Well, I, was, I was about to say what was going on yeah. in the fourth century. <laughs> But, but before we get to that, I have I so I because I have access to the most te- the advanced technology in the world right now, which is Wikipedia. Um, looked up the list of Roman festivals, and one one of the things, one of the things everybody always says, everybody you're listening, right? Everybody always says is um, either it's Sol Invictus, which. I mean, one the, one of Notuff's um, essays does, or maybe it's it's. I read several essays on these different theories. Um, the one of the problems with the Sol Invictus theory is the Sol, the proper Sol feast days were like in October. They're not even in in, in December, right? But we do know one that's in December mm-hmm. that everybody wants to, to to mention, right? I'm sure you know what it is. We want we want we want in fact Christmas as a pagan celebration to replace oh wait it's on the the saturnalia is from the 7th 17th to 23rd missed (laughs) so they've already finished it they are okay so one argument is always oh it's just the roman saturnalia well you know if what you're doing as a christian is picking a major roman festival and you don't know when the date really was i suggest that you should have picked March 1st because because I mean if this if this if this kind of thinking is going on it's like we're in competition with those pagans and we need to outwit them mm-hmm. we need to pick the new year which was celebrated on March 1st and you can tell that because what month is December if you count our numbers what 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 numeral do we use to de- designate December right now class anybody 12 12, 12. what does decum mean mm-hmm. in latin 
10. March 1st was the new year. Guess what the 1st of March was the celebration of? According to Wikipedia, which you all could look up if you like did any research. The Kylans of March. The original New Year's Day when the sacred fire of Rome was renewed. Ooh, that sounds like the birth of the light, don't you think? The dancing armed priesthood of the Salii celebrated the Feriae Marti, holiday for Mars, which was also the Dies Natalis of Mars. Also the Matronalia in honor of Juno Lucina, Mars's mother. Well, that one sounds to me like a really good Christmas day. Yeah. My voice is so weird now. (laughs) (laughs) Truly, truly, if they were going. Exactly the kind of pagan holiday that you would transpose a Christian Christmas over the top of. If you wanted the birth of the God and the celebration of his mother, March 1st. And they didn't do it. Nope. They picked an obscure celebration, a soul in the, the sun. No, they didn't. The thing is, they didn't. It's, it's, it's really, really clear they didn't. And the best proof that we have of that is, in fact, the Gospels. And, and this is where I get, <clears throat> I get very, very impatient. Because all of, this, all of this argument about why do we celebrate Christmas always revolves around is the date, right? You got the date wrong. Are you kidding me? Why do you care about the date? Why do you care about the date so much? Well, it's an argument over time mm. and how we define time. Yep. And why we define it the way we define it. So my my instinct is to say that it's the argument over our Christian understanding of time versus the, the non-Christian version or versions because there are multiple. Christians care about time, right? And this is what I'm showing now is Mary being enrolled in the census, right? Long before we have, I mean, nobody disagrees that the Gospels are the oldest texts that we have other than Paul's letters, and we're not doing that today. But if you if you think Christianity depends on the scriptures and you think it depends on what it says in the Gospels, you have to account for the fact that it includes an effort at dating, in the year of when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Mm. Why say that? Who cares if it's wrong? Why say it at all? Mm. They wanted to anchor the narrative of the Gospels in the overall historical narrative. Exactly. They care about time in a way nobody ever had because they care about the incarnation. So that we end up in these arguments about the date is, in fact, proof that it matters, right? Which is 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 sort of glorious and silly, right? It's like, oh, you got the date wrong. Why do you care so much about the date, eh? Why do you care that we got mm. the date wrong? You think we could get it right? Maybe we could. It could be any time in the year, and you'd still argue over it because you ma- yeah. it matters. It could be March 1st. It could be sometime in July. It could be sometime in September, and you'd still argue over it. It doesn't, Sol Invictus is a complete red herring. It makes zero difference. What matters is that we care about the entry of God into time, and so we do argue about the date. 
back to those marvelous monks who are worrying about exactly when Easter should be. Even without a voice, I can get upset. I'll <laughs> <laughs> oh, go away. Um, okay, so, but this is the key point here. It's that Christians care about this because we care about when God entered into time. Yep. Which is not a perspective that is shared by all. To acknowledge that that is actually what happened at the at the incarnation and, and at the nativity. Isn't that great? The reason we argue about mm. it all the time, the reason people care so much about proving it's pagan or not is because it matters, but not because the actual 25th matters. It's because time matters. If you're arguing about the date, you're already in it. You already care. You already care that this is this historical mm. event that we can date accurately. And if we moved the festival to March 1st, you'd still be arguing about it. About that sun. Okay, so here, oh, I, I, I forgot which order my slides were. Here here we have in Santa Maria Maggiore, the coming of the three wise men, which we probably need to talk about, which is about those gifts, but I want to go to the sun now. I am showing an image of the Zodiac with all of its little creatures, with Cancer and the twins and Aries and fish and, you know, the water bearer and Libra and all that. And there's an image of the sun in the middle um, with a mm -hmm. chariot, right? He's, got, he's clearly the sun. He's got four horses. He's a chariot. Guess where this is? Is it in Germany? No. Ooh. Ooh. Is it Rome? No, it's <laughs> not in Rome. I don't know. Keep guessing. <laughs> Keep them guessing. Everybody else can see it. You're having to remember what I showed you. Where is it? So we are told that worrying about the sun is pagan. It's pagan. We're going to prove to you that Christ didn't get, wasn't born on December 25th because that's the feast of the sun. And therefore, it cannot be the feast of your Savior. It's a good thing my voice is so, is so crap. Whose mosaic is this? I sound very menacing, don't I? This is, it's so stressful. I have no idea where it is. <laughs> well, there's, there's an alphabet in the image. We've got we've got Ken and Casey watching. Casey in the fullness of time is kind of a big deal in Christianity. Yes, Ken Saturn was a wistful, nostalgic remnant of the golden age. W yeah, we can we can still talk about that. Um, that the people looking can see the captions over these creatures who are the creatures of the zodiac. They can also see some angels in the corners. It's very clearly the sun in the center. Mel, Jews. It's in a synagogue. It's in the Beth Alpha uh -huh. Synagogue in Israel. It's the sun. Now, I say Psalm 18 every morning. 
because it describes the sun coming forth from his bridal chamber like a giant running his course. Guess who wrote that psalm? It's, it's insanity and silliness to claim that the Israelites did not have solar imagery in their own worship. It's silly. Christ is, of course, the sun because it's in the Psalms. And we say the Psalm 18 as the, you know, the birth of Christ from the tabernacle, his mother, because this sun imagery is also part of the temple tradition. And so this this weird effort to you know, purge all paganism from Christianity is all is simply purging its own tradition from Christianity. Mm hmm. It's a synagogue, yeah. It's it's apparently a it's a synagogue early, you know, more recent than the celebration of Christmas. So apparently, the Jews in Beth Aleph in Israel still put the sun in the center of their imagery. It's a it's a sign of the times, and the time mm. is also part of the the temple worship. It's in there in the Psalms. The sun of righteousness. Yep. So really, guys, it's not a big own to say that Christ is the son because he is. Shall we go on? We should. We should. Because somehow I don't I don't feel uh, I don't feel like that's going to satisfy everybody. Yet. That, that, that there is sun, there is the sun son imagery in the New Old Testament mm -hmm. that Christ actually fulfills. OK. Yes. How about that tree? Yes. How about that tree? The tree. Everybody's like, oh, the sun worship. That's clearly pagan. But okay, right. We've proven maybe the paying attention to the calendar is actually Christian. Paying attention to the sun, maybe Davidic. What about those trees? Do you have a Christmas tree? Um, we have a Christmas tree that is not pine. It doesn't matter what kind of tree it is. I'm not sure. We kind of winged it this year. <laughs> we grabbed <laughs> something from the backyard. <laughs> I think it might be laurel. I think we've decorated like a big piece of laurel. Laurel, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Why do you think you chose laurel? Because it was the darkest green thing I could see that wasn't eucalyptus. <laughs> <laughs> So trees, trees are there, right? Why do you think? Why do you think we have trees in worship? Are trees are trees a strange thing to have in worship? No, I don't think so. I mean, why? Moses why? Why would people keep saying Moses... that Christianity has well, Christianity with these Christmas trees, which are in the pine version that we have, in import to England from the Germans? Okay, fine, but but yes. but. Why is everyone worried about the Christmas trees being pagan? Um, well, the the majority of the arguments that I've heard is that it's just a, a continuation of a Yule log ceremony, which was a pagan uh, fertility ritual, that they would cut down pine and then um, it would spring to life again at that particular time of year. And it had to be pine because pine was this sacred wood for this particular pagan practice in northern europe mm. so it's but, it's particularly northern we think we think we think having christmas yes. trees is is particularly northern and that yes. know, paganism elsewhere didn't have trees it definitely did 
Laurel, who was who was Laurel sacred to? The Laurel wreath of the Greeks was sacred to I forget who it was, but it was. You'll have to remind me. Poet. It, I, I know poet that and singer. Oh, Virgil. Well, he's a person. No? Not a god. To, to, to Apollo. Oh, oh to you, Apollo. you mean the Greek god? Yeah. Apollo. So okay. in, this is what's interesting. All of the ancient shrines had their associated trees, right? So Delphi has its laurel. Mm -hmm. Um, the Pantheon, the part, sorry, the Pantheon, the Parthenon has olive trees because the olive is sacred to Athena. Um, I started looking them up, right? Mm. The palm tree is sacred to Ra, apparently, in Egypt. Oh, wait, we have the oak sacred to oh, Donar. I guess that's like Thor or something. I don't know. The, the great, you know, it's like the, the, the missionaries to the pagan German German people cut down the, the sacred oaks, the Urmansal and so forth. There are a lot of trees out there. Mm. We should cut them. <laughs> we should cut them all down. I'm, I'm absolutely certain. <laughs> no more olive trees. There are zero trees in scripture. <laughs> oh, wait, here's one. Well, it wasn't. It's a bush and it's got Which our lady in it. Is it the burning one? Oh, my. The one that's on fire? It's on the fire. On it's a fire tree. Take your shoes off. <laughs> Okay. Well, he was instructed to take Moses was instructed to take his shoes off as he approached this burning tree. That sounds very tree worshipy, doesn't it? it? Sounds very tree worshipy to me. Mm. Especially like a fiery tree with lights on it. It lights in it. Mm -hmm. Our Lady in the tree. That that sounds pretty pagan if you're looking for pagan reasons to not have Christmas trees. And yet there's Moses, you know, being told it's holy ground with this tree on fire. <laughs> so he's revered, he's, re he's revered a glowing tree also. With lights and everything. Mm -hmm. is, is that the only tree you can think of in scripture? I got some more here. There's no. a whole set of them. Oh my gosh, look at all these trees. Well, the human story started with a bunch of trees. Yes. There's a tree <laughs> of knowledge. Arguments. The arguments over trees. <laughs> and which ones are good and which ones are bad. Isn't that the kind of defining defining myth of human history? Avoid the bad tree. And good trees. What are good trees? So if the bad tree yes. is the one God tells you not to eat because it's a tree of knowledge of good and evil, what are the good trees? Ah, Mel says, Slebanus, cedars. Yes. Ah, oh, yes. So the image I'm showing now is from a book literally called The Flowery Book. It's the Liber Floridus, which is a 12th century compendium of all sorts of knowledge, including lots of chronology. I could have, I could have given you lots of pictures of calendars from this book but it also includes this um uh images of all these trees that are mentioned in scripture although not in the scriptures that the protestants decide don't belong in scripture right it's in ecclesiasticus all those trees that wisdom describes herself as i am the cedar of lebanon mm. i am the pine i am the plant the the plane tree the terebinth the rose wisdom 
is a tree. Who's wisdom? You do know these answers. I, I'm, I, you're, I'm feeling. I'm, oh, I don't know if you're asking I'm me. Posing, or you're asking posing you as puzzled. No, they're <laughs> they're behind us, right? You have to answer. You have to help us. Mel says the tree of oh, life. Okay. Yes, but who are these? Who is wisdom? Yeah. Our lady. Our lady. Yeah. Who is in that? I'll go back to the burning bush. Who's in the that tree? Right, the icon of Our Lady in the burning bush is one of the great Orthodox icons because. The yes. Lord speaks from the tree, and Moses sees the Lord, and the Lord speaks from the tree. Therefore, the Lord Jesus Christ is there in the Old Testament, in the burning bush. Yeah. And we also see Our Lady describing herself as wisdom in those trees. Got a lot yes. of trees in here, yeah? Where's the most famous mm-hmm. tree in the Old Testament? Mel says Mary, yes. The this may made this maybe you don't think of because we don't think of it necessarily as a tree, but the single most famous tree. I did a whole like Latka Hamantash debate. It's the the Jewish um, student center debate at Chicago where you debate over the potato pancakes or the the triangle cookies, right? And I did a Latka Hamantash debate oh, in yeah. in the character of Jared Tolkien talking about <clears throat> the trees from the Silmarillion. This is, this is a Jewish audience. I figured they'd know what I was talking about, but I'm not sure they did. And I told them where to find it. Did they know what I was talking about when I was talking about trees of light? No. Oh, look. I watched. Here is another synagogue mosaic from antiquity showing Aaron. With the tabernacle. And what does he have in the tabernacle? He's got a veil. He's got a bullock. It's going to be sacrificed. He's got the ark covered by, it looks like another veil. And this big branched thing in the center. Aaron's rod. Um, so that one comes, the Aaron's rod comes in the in the stories of Mary's, Mary's, uh, um, conception, right? Or no, her marriage. No, it's 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 actually much more obvious. So I'll go I'll go here to a focused picture of it from probably the 17th century. It's got lights. It's got cups that are made to look like almond blossoms. It's literally a flaming tree of light. Oh, and let's see. It has seven. Wait, one, two, three, four, five, seven. Oh, candles. yes, yes. Not eight. Seven. The lampstand. The lampstand. Hmm. Hmm. Where else do we see this this flaming tree? This lampstand. It's there in the Old Testament. We're constantly told that Christianity is this new thing that comes out of nowhere, that invents itself and steals stuff from the pagans. So where is it found in the New Testament? Mm-hmm. Where is it found in the New Testament? It would have been in the It would have been in the temple. Yes, and where is the temple? In Jerusalem. Where is the Jerusalem? 
<laughs> I mean, if you have a hard time thinking of it, just think this, this is the state of Christian education, right? That we do not think in these terms mm-hmm. automatically, which absolutely every medieval Christian did because however, you know, illiterate they were, they were actually shown all of these images in their pauper associations constantly. And the mm-hmm. modern Christians can only think of St. Nicholas and a tree is a German thing. And the presence, which we're going to talk about next week, probably with the three kings, maybe. Um, yes. That we can't think of these as actually manifestations of symbols that are there in the scriptures. So, it, right. you know, you can we can do another argument where you're saying the scriptures are all made up. We did that one. It's called Scrolls and Trolls. Go back and watch it. But the problem here is this constant claim that Christianity is not d- based on its own sources, which we're trying to show you it really truly is it's based on its own concern with time and here it's based on its own concern with fulfillment of prophecy so that mary is seen go back to the burning bush mary is seen as appearing in the burning bush with christ because it's through her that he becomes present to the world and that the candelabra that is made for the tabernacle and then you know another one made for the the temple is seen in revelation when the heavenly Jerusalem descends and you see the lamb in his, in his light in his temple and the tree of life next to his throne. So all of these images are, you know, medieval Christians knew all of this. They knew this whole repertoire of images and that modern Christians find them strange and pagan, except for when they sing them in hymns. And then you realize they are singing them and they don't know what they're talking about is only an indication that they're not actually reading the scriptures. Because it's all in there. So, in the book of the apocalypse, in the book of the apocalypse, Christ is saying to have walked to be walking amongst the 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 candles of the lampstand, right? In the opening chapter, mm-hmm. so he's walking amongst the churches, the seven churches, and the seven lights of the the lamp, right? Yeah. Right. So now, because yeah, so geographically the actual lampstand of the temple is in Jerusalem, uh, in, in Israel, but in terms of that spiritual lampstand, that's Christ walking amongst his church. Right. But it's all, it's all temple imagery. It's like the man standing in the midst of the candlesticks and, and the lamb in the, in the midst of the, the lamb is the light. So the temple doesn't need its own light. The, the whole heavenly Jerusalem yes. doesn't need its own light because the lamb is the light. That this light of trees imagery, I mean, that the, the, the tree in the, in, the, in the heavenly Jerusalem has 12 different fruits for the healing of nations. I mean, these are Christmas trees. All we're doing, yeah. and, and, the, and the, so the German tree apparently comes out of late medieval mystery plays where they have... A, a tree of Adam and Eve, which is like hung with cookies or something, right? But the whole imagery of trees, just like the sun imagery, it's already in the scriptures. So you don't have to go mm-hmm. looking to Ermin Saul and Delphi and Ra for all of these trees. They're in the scriptures. And so the tree imagery in Christianity, if if later, you know, missionaries say, look, you know, we've got these trees too, and it's like your tree that's the oak, Duh, right? It's 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 the the paganism, the worrying about paganism. I said that what we do with Christian Christmas now is this 19th century obsession 
it's it's a it's a sort of in, it, it's a enlightenment industrial obsession with never being in touch with the past and never mind the history mm-hmm. of religion's theories about when the date should be it's like so disconnected from what the concerns actually were which was entry into time with the incarnation fulfillment of the prophecies which you recognize through the trees and then one more mm-hmm. <laughs> which is why we end up in all these fights about Santa Claus. So here we have St. Nicholas in a Dutch print from the early 19th century. You got to help me. Your mind voice is really going. Who's St. Nicholas? Oh, this is where his legs are kind of in this formation underneath the, 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 the table that he's sitting on. Well, okay, no, so this, Santa this Claus. No, 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 no. This is St. This is Nicholas in his St. Nicholas fashion. He's got some bees. He's got dogs sitting next to him. He's got some kids. Okay. He's got a, a little furnace where he's leaving gifts. This okay, is a nineteenth-century so version of Nicholas, but but why did we end up talking about Nicholas? Who is Nicholas? Yeah. Who is Saint Nicholas? <laughs> well, for anyone that doesn't know, Saint Nicholas is famously uh, the defender of orthodoxy against a particular. Uh, kind of heresy that cropped up in the fourth century it was the fourth century <laughs> yes yes <laughs> we're now um, showing the council of nicaea just so everybody's on the same page like i know the events i just don't know the dates I, go the, ahead. Um, council of nicaea ad 325 go you see what happens when we stop caring about time it all stops yes. falling apart <laughs> um uh yeah so uh this is a major heresy that uh, cropped up in North Africa with a guy called Arius who was such a threat to the church that they called a council, which is called the Council of Nicaea, to deal with it. Arius had been um, pulling people out of the church, which was the only church at the time, Catholic Church, Catholic Orthodox Church, and uh, convincing Christians that Christ was not God himself in flesh. <clears throat> how could he, he do that? Very... How could how could Arius convince people of that? It's kind of mystifying to think about it. <laughs> well, why should he, why should he think that? I mean, that that's uh, there's there's Wikipedia entries on it. I'm sure everybody who has been arguing with me online has already looked these up. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Arius was a bit concerned about all of the uh, parts of scripture where it appears that Christ is telling everybody to worship his father and not worship him. Oh, really? So Arius yes. said that. <laughs> yes. Arius said that the son and the father are different characters. How how yeah. horrifying. Ignoring who, Christ's who, own to, words. To quote, to quote. Who did Jesus pray to in the garden? Yes, yes. I've, well, I've, I've heard Christ... it said that some people worry <laughs> about this question. I think a lot of people are worried about this question now. Apparently, we, including we... Arius. Okay. The spirit of Arius lives on. <laughs> Why? Why does the spirit of Arius live on? That's like the, I think we do. It's like if only my voice would stick around long enough to finish this conversation. Sure. Why does the spirit of Arius stick around? 
Well, the Alexandrian Patriarchate were very concerned with this because Wait, Egypt where's Alexandria? Whole, Egypt and North- I, Alexandria. You said Alexandria. Egypt. I thought I thought Rome was the one putting its foot down on all of this. Where's Alexandria? It's so it's so funny that everybody always wants to talk trash about Catholics being Romans and and <laughs> and the Catholics having just been the Christianized pagan Romans. They always forget about us Africans. It's so sad. How horrible! <laughs> you they, poor cops. I know. I feel so left out. We we're always left out from these arguments. They I think they don't they don't really like to kind of deal with it because we're putting a, a spanner in the in the industrial revolution mentality that you know is is angry and aggressive against Catholicism. Nobody wants to look at Alexandria. They they love hating on you Romans though. But back in the day when we were besties and we hadn't had any schisms, <laughs> uh, Alexandria was. Uh, respected as a as a major theological center and we sent our own people to rome to teach them uh there there were there there was no uh memory loss uh, at that moment and unfortunately uh, egypt and north africa had been a hotbed of heresy this is so what this is, is what is heresy point. what do you think of as heresy what is it uh it's a denial of orthodox teaching so dorothy dorothy sayers has a very interesting definition of it it's the co- the questions the common man asks uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. that that she has this lovely essay on chaos or creed or chaos i think it's that one it's either do- that or doctrine is the dogma where she goes through mm-hmm. the ancient heresies and shows that they're actually the questions that the common man on the street asks like exactly yes. how is the son of God, God? Yeah, I don't get it. Yes. Oh wait, so heresy. Well, neither did Arius. <laughs> neither did Arius. <laughs> no, uh, but this this was a huge problem because uh, Arius uh, came along and started asking these questions. How can Christ uh, be God if he was referring to the Father as the one worthy of worship? Uh, how can he be God if he was talking and praying to his father in the garden, etc.? Right. This put a this was an incredibly huge scandal in Egypt, which you have to realize at the time was not Muslim. It was not Arabized. It was entirely Coptic and entirely Orthodox Catholic at that moment. Right. And it, it was one of the major centers of Christendom. I mean, Alexandria was it theologically for a very long time. It was the center of Roman, uh, the Roman world at one time. So it's also this, it's also a great center of learning, right? The library at Alexandria. Yes, it's in Alexandria where they translate the scriptures into Greek. It's in Alexandria where Philo yes. lives and allegorizes all of the Old Testament. Alexandria is a major intellectual center, and so it's appropriate that this debate rises there. Not Rome. Yes. Rome is intellectually a complete and utter backwater. Get it into your heads. Rome was not <laughs> the center of anything except for the military power. Mm. At the time, uh, it was Africa. Africa right. was the place to be. <laughs> Africa was Africa and then Antioch, yeah. which is where Peter was. But Alexandria and Antioch are the two yeah. great intellectual centers of ancient Christianity. Rome is a backwater. Yeah. 
and if I if I can yes. get anybody to listen to me right now tonight, remember this: Constantine so considered Rome a backwater. He moved his capital to Constantinople because he didn't think Rome mattered anymore. So, so much for the Pope. The Pope. So, how much shade? So, so how, how about on this? one city? Is the Pope <laughs> even at the Council of Nicaea? Ah, uh, no. no, the Pope's not there. No. So now you can do a Bart, Bart Ehrman on us and make it a Roman imperial thing, but you have to recognize it's Roman imperial from the East, from the, the Greek speaking world. And this is a debate that's going on between people in Alexandria. Okay. Yes. Keep going. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, this was, this was a huge scandal that it had emerged it emerged in the Coptic world and it was the Copts who were concerned about this intellectual contagion spreading throughout the rest of Christendom right. because what Arius had done in asking his petty questions without uh, referring to the clergy to assist him in, in uh, good understanding. Questions. Oh no, they're good questions. Good questions. Uh, yes, but um, uh, they're just not new to live... the present. That's the problem. Everybody thinks no. they invent them every time but... and Arius did it before them. Good, good questions can lead to disastrous consequences if you undermine the, the traditional foundations of the faith that you've rested on even to be able to ask those questions in the first place. So he uh, rejected the patriarchy of the church and began to, uh, began to spread this uh, heretical concept that Christ was not God in flesh uh, and that he was only... Uh, uh, created uh, man, created son of God, instead of being God himself incarnate. So uh, the Africans were extremely worried that this was going to spread into the rest of uh, Christendom because it had started to pull out so many people from the Orthodox Catholic Church in uh, in, in Egypt. And what happened when people started to deny that Christ is God in flesh then we start to uh, deny the temple tradition, which points to that burning tree that the Lord himself emerges out of. And for cops, that icon is very, very, very important. Uh, it's referenced everywhere and it's produced everywhere. And the Coptic people have been particularly concerned with the way that Christians uh, have described the incarnation. This is one of the reasons why we're uh, currently in schism with the Byzantium. Uh, Byzantine Christians and, and why Alexandria and Antioch fell out of favor with each other because we had such a um, uh, such a strong sense of wanting to preserve the Orthodox Catholic faith from these kinds of heretical sects that were denying the incarnation of Christ. So Arius is running around making trouble and uh, it's fracturing the church from within. We have suddenly a, a, a a chaotic disunity, uh, and then they call the Council of Nicaea. So no Roman Pope is present. <laughs> it's the bishops from the, uh, from, the, uh, from the patriarchates which are, which are coming together to meet in Nicaea and to discuss the, the heresy that Arius has introduced to the church, this concept that Christ is not God himself in flesh. So we get to the point where a very special bishop um, arrives, the man known as St. Nicholas. 
who has very strong feelings about what Arius is doing. <laughs> what does he do? Shall I keep going? Yes, keep going. What does he do? Well, Saint Nick is very pious, Saint Nicholas, but loses his temper and during the debate with Arius <laughs> smacks him across the face. <laughs> See how appropriate it is I'm losing my temper. I want to be Saint Nicholas. <laughs> I want to just yeah, smack yeah. these Aryans. Well, so I, I, I'm, I'm forgetting he what did many, I, it, pictures I have. He did. I have another picture. He did here. many other things, and he's remembered for hitting a man. He's been remembered for hitting a man. So who became yeah. Aryan? Right. This is this is the the reason I actually looked up the Arianism, which we need to go back to because we need to talk through the theological problem here. But who who was particularly drawn to these this Aryan? Um, understanding of Christ. Ah, okay. Well, in the East and the West, so we have this weird mirror. So uh, the spirit of Arius lives on. It's very hard. Once people start asking questions and then rejecting the incarnation of Christ, it becomes very difficult to put the genie back in that bottle. So Arya, the Arian heresy spread, his sect spread throughout, throughout North Africa, it goes in two directions. It goes East and then it goes up into Europe. So you end up with two different populations of people that adopt Arianism, even though they may not recognize it as officially Arianism, but it, the, that seed takes root in two different places. One was in Arabia, mm. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which had previously been Orthodox Catholic. And what do they become? Orthodox what did, Catholic. What did those Arabian Arians become? They became Muslims. Ooh. They became Mohammedans. Really? Yes. Really? So they deny the incarnation. <laughs> yeah. They deny the incarnation of the sun. Okay. Yes. So no incarnation, and suddenly we have a the uh, the the Mohammedan sect declaring that God cannot have a mother. God cannot be born. He is completely distinct from his own creation. So they deny the entrance of God into time to become one with his own creatures. Of course which means that the Mohammedans were completely denying the entire temple tradition of the Israelites in doing so. And so we get to a problem of the Muslim understanding of the ancient Hebrews religion, which is a completely different stream, probably. Yes, probably. But the but other... we've, 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 yeah. we put a mark in there. So the, the, Arab yes. the Arabian <laughs> tradition is part of this fracturing in antiquity. Okay. Yes. And so Orthodox Catholic Arabians were obviously in great danger when this was going on because they were professing the incarnate God and they were worshiping an incarnate God. They were Coptic. Uh, so that there's this huge problem that springs up in the East. On the other hand, in the Roman worlds uh, up into Europe, we have Arius's teachings going in and finding another population of tribal people. <laughs> do, you, do you remember the that, name um, of the person that translates the scriptures into Gothic for them? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. So what's his we name? We mentioned the tribe. What's his name? No, no. What's this translator's my... name? Oh, Ulfilas. Ulfilas. It's very hard to scan, mm. don't you think? Ulfilas. Yeah, it's really difficult. It's difficult imagine writing an entire, imagine writing an entire poem with the main characters, Ulfilas. Who would do that? <laughs> Who would try writing an entire Only... poem about Ulfilas? Never happened. Insane dragon. Insa oh, <laughs> maybe, maybe. By Aurora Borealis, you'll know what we're talking about. Okay, so Ulfilas yes. translates the scriptures into Gothic, but... Yes. 
but he has this alien understanding of who the sun is. Now the yes. the um the, yes. with the Wikipedia entry is actually quite helpful, and it's. Um, Arianism taught that the Logos was a divine being begotten by God the Father before the creation of the world, made him a medium through whom everything else was created, and that the Son of God is subordinate to God the Father. Right. So that is the prime question that Arius asked. Is like, indeed, the one that we've heard being asked regularly on the internet: How did the Son pray to the Father in the Garden? And this was Arius's answer. Yes. A verse from Proverbs was also used: The Lord created me at the beginning of His work which is Proverbs 8.22. Therefore, the son was rather the very first and the most perfect of God's creatures, and he was made God only by the father's permission and power. So he's divine, but only like indirectly, right? He's not himself of the same yeah. substance with the father. Yes, there's no equality, in, uh, no co-equality, uh, attributed to the son of God right. and he's not considered co-eternal co in the sense that he's created and not begotten, which seems like hair splitting, but this distinction was the very reason why the council of Nicaea was called in the first place, because the Christian world had not yet decided on a formula to express their Christology or their understanding of Christ until Arius came along. Right, so it's actually a good Once, thing. It's a good thing that people come along and ask questions. This is good. Definitely, this is good. Maybe I should so <laughs> Well, except for there are the there, there, is, there are questions that are so old that they're in the creed. But you know, <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> Every generation so we have asks a creed again. That's fine. <laughs> we have this thing. We have this little thing called the Nineteen Creed. <laughs> oh, what does, and if, what does if the nobody... Creed say? I, I shared it in my if, telegram if... recently. Now, this is going to be something I have to admit in public, but I don't actually know how to say this thing off by heart because I should have learned. My abuna tried to get me to learn it completely perfectly during my catechism, and I could not do it. So, yes, we have a memory issue. But the, uh, the Creed is the declaration that we say in every liturgy. Embarrassingly enough, I still can't say it. It's, this is the problem of words. reading, right? It's like, if you read it every day in the, in the book, you don't remember it. Yeah, exactly. So I think I probably actually, maybe I'll do that. That'll be my new year's resolution. I'll Memorize stop reading and I'll just let it go into the ear. Mm. Um, so it's, uh, the first few lines that we, be we believe in one God, the father creator of heaven and earth, uh the pantocrator now this is the this is the beginning of the church making the distinction between god the father who is called pantocrator and then the son and the holy spirit this is where the church begins to make the distinctions between the three persons of the holy trinity it's the nicene creed and it comes from this council so Arius asking questions was amazing because finally all of the bishops and our scholars had to come together and actually decide what everybody believed, what our, what actually was our shared faith as Christians. Problem is, Arius didn't accept it. He refused it and his followers refused it. And so they were cast out of the church. They were declared anathema, which is completely uh, ex excommunicated from, from Christendom. And they were kicked out. 
and the uh, Ulfilus the Goth had unfortunately learned his Christology from Arians and not from Nicene Christians. He did not bring the Nicene Creed with him to the Gothic people. So he converted them to Arianism, meaning they missed out on an understanding of the Holy Trinity. Right. Uh, completely missed the the richness of the formula, which uh, wasn't supposed to gatekeep people from the truth. It was supposed to gatekeep uh, the church from being infiltrated and subverted by people who wanted to undo the incarnation of God himself. Well, this is, I think, whoever is calling you is has excellent timing. Um, it's God. No, wait. Um, that no, we, we are. It can't to, be. It's an Australian going, number. <laughs> we are going to be drawn into talking theology, and maybe when I get my voice back, we'll do it more fully. But the yeah, the the, 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 I mean, the primary thing here is Arius raises questions, and Dorothy Sayers does this lovely job. Dorothy Sayers was, you know, a friend of Tolkien. So if you guys are worrying about me being able to talk Trinity because of the Tolkien stuff, just listen to me talk about Dorothy Sayers. She actually has a really good understanding of how hard it is to ex make dogma make sense, but also how important it is, and that the kinds of questions that we end up in heresies are the questions that people ask, right? So it's 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 not mm -hmm. like this horrible failure. It's, in her version, it's the failure of the clergy who should be able to explain this stuff, one, making it horribly boring, which I agree with her, right? It's like mm -hmm. you just made the most exciting drama of our redemption dull, and you failed to answer the questions that people were coming to you with. And, and, and therefore it's, it's, it's actually quite significant, but in the Nicene Creed, and for those on unauthorized platform, you know, Vox always distinguishes between the Nicene Creed and the Nicene Constantinopolitan Creed. So we'll go with the Nicene Creed, the one from 325. <laughs> they have the formula translated in English starts. We believe in one God, the father almighty maker of all things visible and invisible. So the one God, according to the Nicene Creed, is the Father. That's it. And in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, begotten of the Father, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Now, that is, there's God and there's Lord, who's Son of God. And these are two different mm -hmm. figures. Now, if I were able to explain in context in which I have been told that I am playing rabbi why this matters, you will see that both of these figures appear in the Old Testament. Margaret Barker has done an amazing amount of scholarship explaining where this great angel of Israel comes from. On my Christmas Day post in my social media, I, I quoted Isaiah. We were saying, you know, one, that, that we, you know, a child will come who will be wonderful counselor, mighty God everlasting father prince of peace and she shows that in the orthodox tradition in the septuagint and therefore in the medieval tradition that's one title which is angel of great counsel somehow mm. we need as christians to understand the relationship of jesus the christ who is the son of god who is the angel of great counsel to god the father creator of heaven and earth and that is what the the great debate had been in in the in Nicaea in 325 it's what the debates have been about in terms of christology ever since is who is jesus christ 
Now, we've said the Muslims say he's not the son of God because Allah cannot have a son. Guess who else yes. says he can't be? She's sitting there. She knows. She's not going to say. Well, the gods. Well, I mean, no. The great competition, the reason that you have to write the Gospels and prove that Jesus was born and he fulfills the scriptures is not because they're talking to the gods. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, the Hebrews that rejected the incarnation. Yes. So the whole, known as Jews. the whole point of the infancy narratives is to prove something about Jesus to the people who are mm-hmm. not going to accept him as the Christ. And they're just proving he's the Christ. Yes. He enters into time. The date is, in fact, interesting, but kind of irrelevant. What matters is the entry into time, which then makes the date relevant. It's a fulfillment of the yes. tradition. Therefore, you're going to look for images like the trees. And because of the insistence that Jesus is the Messiah, and there's lots of Old Testament. I tried to say this in a certain chat. That I could, you know, shall I quote scripture? The scriptures that the New Testament uses to prove that Christ, Jesus is the Christ, fulfilling those prophecies. It's the whole, that's the whole network of claims. Now, if you don't accept Judaism or the scriptures or Islam, we don't have anything to talk about because we're outside of that conversation. If you do, we're inside that conversation. And of course, in the West, that's particularly been yes. the conversation we've been in. Not with pagans, because they're not around anymore. No. <laughs> and, and basically, the, Hindus, the um, Hindus are perfectly happy to add Jesus to their pantheon. I mean, it's like nothing. Oh, yeah. I, no, I have an Indian friend who's got altars in her lounge room, and she's got, uh, she's got the, the, the Theotokos with Christ inside next to Shiva and some other ones like Ganesh and it was just yeah it was quite cute <laughs> I said what are you doing she goes oh yeah we we love Jesus we recognize Jesus <laughs> right okay. so so the problem yeah. the problem is internal to the west which is recognizing the yes which therefore yes now the last image that I have which was from our cave and which is the full of eyes strip the problem is understanding oh, that yeah. Jesus fulfilled the scriptures that he is there incarnate yeah in that manger riding the chariot that Ezekiel saw in the temple. And unless you see Jesus as fulfilling the scriptures, you're not, you're not in the same conversation. You're, you're in a complete, but what's ironic is most of the people getting most angry about whether or not Christianity is pagan are doing it on the basis of rejecting the very things that are in the old Testament, which they would claim prove that it's pagan i don't it's like it's it's insane mm. it's a it's a completely different conversation mm. if you don't start from the scriptures as the the thing that you're trying to prove within so if you ask me to prove within the scriptures mm. i'm going to quote scriptures at you and then say you need to understand how the tradition has interpreted these images over time mm. Well, it it goes back to the the conversation being based on temple tradition versus anything else that's claiming to be the original manifestation of Israelite religion. Right. 
if there's no temp if there's no temple as if, if there's no temple there's no israel if there's no tabernacle there's no israel the tabernacle precedes the temple so if you're removing the tabernacle service which becomes the temple religion you're eliminating israel which means you're eliminating any discussion of <laughs> any civilization that bases itself in that uh mythology or that history you know that that history you're just you're undoing israel as a as a uh as the basis of everything right it, it goes out the window now we probably have to have now a conversation with the germanic pagans about what's going on but for those who argue yes. on the basis of the scriptures and claim that we are not arguing as catholics or copts from within the scriptures understand mm -hmm. that the scriptural images that we are showing you come from the new testament use of the old testament and therefore are claiming that the lord jesus christ is the incarnate son of god now what you make of that is obviously what all christian meditation has been on since there's mm -hmm. a coda of course that shows how silly all of this is which is when monotheism actually becomes a term I posted a little bit on this my my, my telegram, <laughs> right? When chat, you have monotheism posting. When, when does when does monotheism become a term? Oh wait, the seventeenth century, and as as I think Lorelei pointed out, which was hilarious, like this is an amalgamation of English and and Greek, right? Monotheism. It's I think mm -hmm. I I haven't I haven't delved into it, but that is the great period of the history of religions. It's a great period of philosophical efforts to synthesize all truths. It's obviously the foreground of de deism. It is the original mm. philosophical psyop to claim that anything outside of this monotheistic framework is going to be illegitimate and pagan. So if you're worrying about Christianity being mm. pagan, you're subject to, yes, a philosophical psyop. Welcome. You know, you're welcome. It has nothing to do with the scriptures. The word doesn't even appear in the scriptures. The one God, the creed declares, is the Father. The Son of God, only begotten of the Father, consubstantial with him, is the Son. And our problem as Christians is to understand what that means. Mm. Not to scream it's at each a relationship other over between who the Jesus word. prayed to in the garden. He prayed to his Father. The Son prayed to his Father. Mm. Well, it's a, that's, the, that's the, the, the relationship between the Word of God and God the Word. You know, it's that text of the Logos being with God and God at the same time. Right. That John John really tries to tackle this in the Gospel of John, which is, again, in the scriptures. Therefore, yes. if you're making this argument and you rely on the scriptures, we need to talk. Again. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm wrapping the Coptic world to the Gothic people for this reason. Because the gods adopted the uh, the Christology of, of Arians, thanks to Ulfilas. And when the Gothic people were uh, practicing Arian Christianity for a very long time. So they were practicing Christianity without that understanding of the relationship between the Father and the Son. But it seems to have never disappeared. Apparently not. Hmm. They're Ulfilas. But Saint Nicholas, 
and St. Nicholas yes, is they do. To, punch, to punch the Arians. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yes. But So every time we see Santas as St. Nick, we're reminded of the council. Hopefully. We're reminded of St. Nicholas combating the the teaching that the God did not incarnate in time. And if you recognize the dates, right, the council is held in 325. The earliest evidence that we mm. have in the manuscripts of when Christmas was celebrated on December 25th is in the, chronogra- the chronograph of 354, which by arguments that the chronologists have made say they're probably representing festivals that are kept from 336, which is still after Nicaea. My guess is that Christmas was always meant as a challenge to the Arians. It has nothing to do with the pagans. It is a challenge to the Arians who don't want to celebrate our Lord as the incarnate son of God. Mm. And therefore, as long as we have the man on the street (laughs) not understanding how Jesus could be the son of God and consubstantial with him, we will, yes, boys and girls, have arguments about Christmas. (laughs) I'm I'm chuckling because it's, the people that deny it still can't help but celebrate it. <laughs> and and I think I think they'd be they'd be having this fight wherever we had it in the calendar. And they'd be having mm-hmm. this fight wherever we had it with whatever accretions of practices and rituals we we'd given to it. Because the giant debate is always about the nativity, which is appropriate. Mm. So what's all the fuss? Yes. God became man. Yeah. It's a good True fuss. Virgin. It's a good fuss. <laughs> it is. So thank you to everyone who made it a fuss. And I hope you listen to the end, <laughs> to all the way to the end, so that you got the good book. Yeah. So Paper Eating Bear says, can't wait to listen to this later, got here late. Yeah, we started early because I was losing my voice and we needed to, to go ahead and do it. Um, Casey's saying, Judaism was obsessed with time and legitimacy. God literally created time to enter into it. Yes. So the, the entry into time is part of the ancient tradition. Casey, okay, God created and entered into time for us. Amen. The gods came around eventually. They did. They did. <laughs> and Tolkien wrote Tolkien wrote prayers, the Our Father in Gothic. So, you know. The only extant poetry we have in Gothic is written by Tolkien. Amazing. <laughs> well, thank God for him. Uh, so I suppose next year when uh, I'm having all of the same arguments with everybody, it won't be, it won't, won't be in ask them why they're uncomfortable with the idea of God becoming man. Why does that make them feel uncomfortable? I think that's where it's coming from. It definitely is. It's a real theological Mm. question. And I think, I think the celebration of Christmas was to counter areas actually, which is why it keeps coming back because it, as Dorothy Sayers says, it's the kind of question that people ask exactly how it's a mystery. And the problem is it's there already in the scriptures, so we have to wrestle with it. It doesn't go away if you just say, oh, it's the scriptures. Like, 
it, it, the scriptures create the problem, and we can continue talking about that because that's the big, the big question in Christianity. It's like how the Old Testament relates to the New Testament. So a big anti-Oliver Cromwell, Max Catholic Christmas <laughs> is keeping the tradition of St. Nicholas and fighting the Aryans alive. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> my voice, so is, big my voice May, has ooh. made it through. I can't believe it. It's almost two hours. We're gonna. I think. I think it's. It's. It's better. That's to, a Christmas miracle. It's a Christmas miracle. Thank you for joining us. And I'll be back. We'll be both be back. I'll be back in Chicago, God willing, and my voice will be back too. Hopefully, Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah.